Hi, and welcome back to the State of Being podcast. This episode is dedicated to two projects, Tracks of Our Years and It Was All Yellow. Both projects held sharing events in July. Tracks of Our Years was an intergenerational project using letter writing over email as a form of connection in lockdown between the older generation and the youth theatre. Aspects of the letters were taken into youth theatre sessions and were workshopped and put into the sharing event. But before we delve any deeper into Tracks of Our Years, let's have a look at It Was All Yellow, a project about the parent experience. Interviews were held with the parents of the youth theatre and, like Tracks of Our Years, they were workshopped and creatively intertwined into the project. This week, we asked some of the cast members of It Was All Yellow what they would do if their parental figures disappeared for the day. Best week, best week, all this week. I don't know. I think the first thing I do, like assuming I woke up at nine a.m., which I I wouldn't, <laughs> but assuming I woke up at nine a.m., I'd probably I'd probably make myself some pancakes or some waffles. Then I'd probably just I'd relax for the morning. I'd have the morning off. Then uh, lunch, I'd probably I'd oh, lunch. I'm ordering food. Like I'm ordering so much food. <laughs> um, Afternoon, ooh, I don't know, I'd probably try to see some mates uh, like at a park or play football somewhere or um, just go relax with people. Um, and then dinner, oh, I'd love to go out to dinner, like again. Uh, I can't wait for, the, for like everything to be back to normal for that. And, uh, oof, after dinner, what I do? Go for a drink. <laughs> have a part. Have a oh! If my parents were away, I could have a party. Like, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> um, I'd probably wonder where the hell they've been, because uh, I'd be worried and I'd be asking who's here to make me food, because <laughs> I'd be really hungry. And I would probably invite my friends over, and we can just party and wreck the house, because they can't tell me off about it. <laughs> That's two questions. I mean, if there are no parental figures versus there being no one there to monitor you, which I suppose is like the parental responsibility, but there's no one there to monitor me, I suppose. I find out what I'm doing when I'm alone is I tend to just raid, <laughs> I tend to just raid, raid the cupboards. Yeah, I tend to eat a lot and the things I probably shouldn't and then probably get yelled at. I don't think, if I was in like a kind of, no, it's not Groundhog Day, I'm thinking of the wrong movie, but like my guy wakes up and there's no one there, there's no, it's just like the kids, there's no parental figures. I think I would probably eat everything there is in a day and then run out of, I'm not sure you can run out of electricity use, but I would probably do that because that's the thing that, I think that although I want to think I'm a very disciplined person and do what's right a lot of the time, I think a lot of that comes from my parental figures, not just the obvious my mother and father, but also I'm not sure if you have older siblings, so it's that thing of where they're significantly older than you, but not like one or two years, but by a decade. And um, and they seem very cool. It's very mysterious and very cool, and I kind of got, I find that what I do is very similar to what they've done, and so if, <laughs> if they weren't there, I suppose I probably wouldn't never have that. 
I would probably go on a train and meet my friends. If my parental figures disappeared for the day, oh, what would I do? Oh, oh, um, Joe, I think I'd decorate the house. I think I would, like, get rid of everything that we've been meaning to get rid of as a family for years. Just get rid of all of that stuff and then redecorate the house, I think. And then probably have, have a party. Like if there was no COVID, like have a, like a proper house party. And I think I would go to the RSPCA and adopt all the cats and all the dogs and all the animals in that shelter and just bring them all home and have them with me for the rest of their lives. As part of the sharing event, a video was shown where a handful of parents talked about their parenting experience. Here is a snippet of that conversation. You lose your name, you do lose a bit of identity. But I wouldn't change anything. Um, so at the time that this this kicked off, it was quite interesting. And uh, in some respects, um, being an older parent for the first time, I I felt, oh, I don't want any, I don't want to bring any attention to me being a parent. I'm struggling enough with the role as it is. But then I realised it wasn't about me really. It's about uh, about the family. And and but I wouldn't change a thing to be honest. Uh, but I think even if you try and equip your children with with various tools, I agree. There's no cast iron guarantee that, that they're going to benefit from those until they find their way. And me being a complete believer in being an individual and be yourself, do what you want to do, um, Chicken Shed kind of encompasses that as well, to be honest. If I had it during my time, I would have loved it, to be honest. I would have loved it. I'm, I am very arty, I, you know, I do music, I love theatre, and I would have completely loved it. It's something that would have been right up my street, but coming from a um, second generation um, Greek, um, they were more concerned with, with putting food on the table, stuff like that. I do, did sometimes find myself being that busy, busy, busy parent, and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be around. Even if the girls don't want me, which is quite often, they don't actually want me when I'm at home, but they just want to know I'm there. And I just kind of want to be around for them to, to, to be if it just might even be to shout out and ask me where the stapler is, I don't know, you know, but I just like to be around for them as much as I can. For this episode's creative interlude, we head back to tracks of our years. In our Zoom sessions and in the theatre, we warmed up to a number of songs from the 1920s to present day. These songs were merged into one track and made it into the event. Can you recognise any of the songs? Let's have a listen. to go to why don't you go where fashion sits putting on the ritz different types who wear a day coat pants with stripes and cut away coat perfect fits putting on the ritz 
He was a famous trumpet man from all Chicago way. He had a boogie style that no one else could play. He was a top man at his craft. But then his number came up and he was gone with the draft. He's in the army now, a blowing reveille. He's the boogie woogie bugle boy of Company B. Worn through a party in the county jail. The prison band was there, they began to wail. The band was jumping and the joint began to swing. You should have heard this knocked out jailbird sing that episode we tune into a zoom session with living letters participants and their experiences of the project hello hello good evening hello hello nice to see everyone oh how are how are, how is everybody all right Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Living Letters was um, it comes under the umbrella of a of a project that I started in 2017 called the Space Between Us, and that was a, a, a just a one off project joining young people, teenagers with people over 50, and we did one project way back then, um, based around the Sgt Pepper album, and then Living Letters came under that umbrella. So. So the Living Letters was another way of us joining people together across the generations under uh, lockdown. And now we're hoping that those people are really being brought into the bigger community, which is the Space Between Us programme, really. What was your first thought when you first heard about it? What was your like preconceived ideas about it and how has it changed? So how should we comp- should we put this into context? Let's say should we, if we went to, yeah. for Patricia to start with talking about living letters because I know that was Patricia's first contact with uh, Chicken Shed. Yeah, should we go over to you, Patricia? Okay. Well, with living letters, I was afraid at first. I needed reassurance from Rachel, and well, she matched me up with a nice, wonderful girl, and 
we're still obviously in contact with each other. And, well, it brought me to, back to life in a way. I was getting a little bit fed up with not having something to fill my days. And, oh, as I say, it's been a great experience. And thank you Brilliant. to everyone who made that possible. Thank you. Yes, I when I heard the first time, I thought, wow, what a project, you know, what an exciting project. And I was very excited, I think, not nervous. And I couldn't imagine what this person, because we didn't know the age or the sex or the name even. And that was the exciting part for me. And once we started, it just went very freely because uh, this person, I'm still in touch with her. And we've become really good friends. So, yes. And she looked up for me, my old, because we have a big gap in age. She's in her 20s and I'm in my 70s. So it's 50 years of, and I've born in India. So we, I had lots of childhood stories and she had lots of childhood stories. So we're really, it went very well for me. I was really excited. I wouldn't mind doing it again, is what I'm saying. I mean, the, the reason I like the first time I've been involved with the some intergenerational work through the SBU um, with Chicken Shed. And I think it was an opportunity to really sort of have a sort of like a one to one with, with a young person at young energy. And my first experience was lovely. And I think what was really lovely is that although I've got grandchildren, you could share on a level that with somebody like that, that, uh, that you didn't really know, that you probably wouldn't with your <laughs> grandchildren anyway. So that was that was lovely and exciting. And then when you asked me the second time, um, but it, it was another opportunity and it has been as it's been just as good and well different because different people uh the first person was it was a, a young was well, not that young lad but you know lad and uh, the other one's a girl and but it's just this lovely sharing at an incredibly deep level that you surprise yourself that you're actually sharing at that level and then they are and it's i think it's incredible I love the living letters, absolutely adored it. I mean, for me, you know, being living alone and particularly shielding, it was a lifeline to me, really, to be honest, to sort of meet, meet a young person. We seem to have so many things in common. I couldn't believe it. And that was the, was the connectivity, really, but also the refreshment of somebody young in my life. It really gave me a sense of family, actually. And we have step, kept occasionally in contact. So, we are still there. We, we WhatsApp and stuff. So that's really nice as well. I, I found it fascinating. I mean, I was really excited when I read about living letters and was this sort of mystery of who, you know, who was this person I was writing to. I reckon she was female by what she was writing, but I wasn't sure. Um, and then when we met, met on Zoom, it was, it, you know, it was wonderful. I like the, the I like the anonymous side of it, and uh, Noah, who's on the screen there, she was my, the other part of my living letter, um, <laughs> and and I don't think I was as anonymous as Noah was. Um, I, the, the things I couldn't work out about Noah in the beginning, and I think um, I think I, I think I was more open, and then Noah responded to that. So we gradually unfolded to each other, I think. Um, and um, yeah, we zoom about um, every every three weeks. We text, and 
it's, it's made a big it's made a big difference to my life. Like you know, other people have said I've got um, grandchildren and and so on. But somehow this is different. The fact I'm eighty three, and no, I won't give her age, but she's you know in in you know interested in me. <laughs> Um, and, and probably can tell you all about my family. So uh, it's, 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 it's been great. So thank you. I really liked writing the first letter when I couldn't possibly know anything about the person I was writing to. So I, I sort of wasn't trying to please them or ask an appropriate question or find their interest because I couldn't possibly have done. So I found that attractive about the project and also the other intergenerational things I'd done was things with students on a specific course but, and this was rather different from that so I think right. I like the freedom of this that there's no pressure on any of the participants to have yes. some sort of satisfactory outcome and um, did anyone find any aspects of the project challenging at all well it's challenging to remember all the questions they asked us in the living letters and it's stimulating to go back and think of all these things like what songs did you like and so forth one of the challenges was because um the, the timing of it so you're both mm -hmm. writing at the same time so sometimes you're answering a question from the time before. It can be really strange, kind of just sometimes. Because you're overlapping, you. aren't you? Yeah. 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 I think a challenge, actually, but it was a positive but moving challenge, was seeing my words be enacted by young people. And that was incredibly moving, actually. And what have you uh, discovered about yourself through the project? Hmm. Or either like living letters or the space between us. I feel I'm not written off. It feels to me like it's a legacy project that actually my words, my memories are being instilled into the next generation and something good is coming out of them. So it feels like I don't have to keep them in my head with failing memory and think that they'll go and nobody will ever hear them. So that's been a really enriching piece for me because it is literally passing on the baton of knowledge and memory to another younger generation. Yeah, can I add to that, actually? That, Anne, really, that was absolutely beautifully put. I was trying to formulate something in my head, um, and, and it's, it, was, it was also having that opportunity in a way that, quite honestly, and I mentioned it again, you can't always with your own family, because there's, oh, that's mum again. You know, it, it's, it was the sort of things that you've learned about life or about something and feeling you could pass that on and it was it was being listened to um and i realized i liked doing that <laughs> maybe you want to know what i learned about myself i liked you know it felt lovely i said something to my first person and and they they think it was some, something that really means a lot to me as particular saying and um, he said oh you know i thank you so much for that that's really you know you sort of realize you pass something on and yes that was but I think you put it better than me, Anne-Marie. But yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, it's just um, it's it's um, being able to connect with a different generation because you sort of you know the way the way everything is is you know young people and older people, and by working together, you realise that there's so much you have in common that you can have a conversation 
um, and not be separate, be an older person, younger people. You, there's so much in common that you can um, discuss and um, and it, it makes you feel like, like Anne-Marie said, less old because you do feel a bit like you're written off sometimes, but then you get a young person who's really interested to hear something about you and excited and vice versa. And so, um, so it's fantastic, you know, yeah. it's a real connection and yeah. overlap. No, I was just saying that when my children were both, you know, 17, 18, 19, they'd gone into, you know, university you know, and they didn't ask those questions of me. And I found these young people asking the questions that my children should have asked. And now, of course, they live away and abroad. And I found it very easy to talk to these non-judgmental, lovely, beautiful young people. They were very, it just, you know, took it. And as you said, they listened. And they're very, very sweet and lovely. Anna was very tolerant with me. <laughs> um, I, I'm an old gas bag. And I, I am I, um, involuntary. I'm drawn into telling stories. And um, it, it, it can be a great weakness because I never know whether people, well, my children tell me, oh, Dad, we've heard, we've heard that one before, you know. Uh, do you have to go on? And uh, But Anna was very polite and she seemed interested. <laughs> it's such a positive project because it's just so lovely and it pushes back all the sort of um, generalisations that groups make about the other, the othering. Thank you, Rachel, because it's, oh, well, it's all due to you, really. But thank oh, you. Oh, no, no, but we will. We'll definitely, we will definitely be carrying on. Absolutely. Absolutely.